0: We use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first.
1: Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously.
0: Soli? Yes? Let's talk today about the movie Noroi, The Curse from 2005. The Curse? The Curse? The Curse, The Curse... It's so weird because in the title sequence for the movie, it said Noroi in the subtitles while it showed one Japanese character on screen, and then it switched to three other Japanese characters and said The Curse. So I feel like, I mean, Noroi must mean The Curse. What I really think is that the title in Japanese is actually something different entirely.
1: Well, it makes me wonder, and obviously I don't know, but it makes me wonder if perhaps the three symbols weren't disaster, tool, and spirit, because the name Kagutaba, the name of the demon, was made up of three symbols. That
0: is a smart thought, and I bet you're super right. I bet this movie is really called Noroi Kagutaba.
1: Makes sense.
0: Okay, so it is a mockumentary, which is interesting, found footage, but in the form of of a documentary style where we follow this guy going around interviewing different people because he does that. He does kind of a, it's like a ghost finders show, except more investigative and less fake, I guess. He goes around talking to people, interviewing them, you know, about ghosts they've seen and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It just follows him as he does this thing. What I liked about it was that structure where the first, like, half of the movie is just, like, random different investigations, basically. Like, he talks to this guy, talks to that guy, to asks somebody about their neighbors, asks somebody else about their own psychic powers. It shows Many times it shows clips from, like, these really cheesy, they call them variety shows. I don't know if I would call them that, but, like... Special programs on TV that are covering things, kind of like that's incredible in the '80s. Yeah, it's those kind of shows, and they show those clips, and then for the like the second half of the movie, all of those tie together into mm-hmm. one situation because each one of them is actually a part of the same thing.
1: Mm-hmm. It it was definitely not following. The three-act structure that we are used to in America.
0: I think you're on to something there for sure.
1: And something that I have read about the like plot structures that come from Asian countries is that it's it's less about the conflict and it's more about here's a situation, here's another situation. Here's what happens when these two situations come together.
0: Well, that's definitely what this movie was with more than two, probably four or so situations. And
1: there was definitely conflict in this story. So, you know, it makes me wonder how much of it, how much of that is from the original story and how much of that has kind of been morphed in order to make it palatable to a wider market.
0: Yeah, possibly. That's something about this, like... It's a 2005 movie. It's set in like 2004. They give us dates during the movie. Mm -hmm. And I was weirded out by that because the movie looks like the 80s. For a long time, I'm like, is this taking place in the 80s? Because nobody has any like fancy phones or anything. And all the TVs are huge CRT TVs. It looks terrible. But all the footage is so grainy and bad and stuff. And I'm like, what is going on? I think what they were doing was style like mm. they wanted to evoke 80s horror vhs kind of movies with this because it had that very grainy look where a lot of what was going on was hard to tell what was happening because of the quality
1: yeah i mean even the fact that like the footage that they got and everything there was an actual vhs tape uh-huh were we still using vhs in 2004 <laughs>
0: not much no that was more dvd world but it was also even by that point everything was streaming really not everything but
1: nah not by 2004 yeah it was it was hard to pin it down in terms of a time period except for the fact that they gave us actual time periods so <laughs> right. i don't know and
0: you know maybe it was it's a weird because i don't think of japan as being behind the times no but I sort of do like when I think about stuff I've seen like I almost think maybe they do use like like they had CRT TVs a lot later than we did and I don't know if that makes sense cuz it's Japan that's where we get all our electronics from
1: I I guess what I'm thinking of is the americanized version of what Japan looks like which is always very futuristic yeah maybe this is a more realistic, or maybe it's a stylized thing. I really can't tell.
0: Yeah, I don't know either.
1: So what were some of the situations then, the mini stories, as you will, that are presented in the first half of this movie?
0: The first one is very simple. It's just interviewing somebody who said they hear a crying baby at night, which is funny, because he's like, where do you hear it from? And she's like, this window over here that looks onto my neighbor's house. (laughs) We're like, okay, that was easy.
1: So your neighbor has a (laughs) baby.
0: But in fact, her neighbor, we eventually find out was Junko Ishii, who is at the center of this whole thing.
1: Right. She shows up in all of the different scenarios. She is always the neighbor making all the noise.
0: Yeah. And she is, indeed, does not have a baby. She has like a six, seven-year-old kid. And Who knows what those noises are, but she's real aggressive when you confront her. So she didn't want to talk about it.
1: So there's also Kanayano, who is a child with psychic abilities.
0: Apparently very. I mean, I feel like those were such blatant psychic abilities that we needed like a whole investigation into this. She should have been poked and prodded with needles.
1: So I've often seen the... You know, like the Ghostbuster style of like, what am I looking at? Yeah. Draw this, which which was the main part of what they were doing. Yeah. But then they also asked her to materialize water in a beaker out of nothing. Uh-huh. And I have never seen that or heard of that. You know as why evidence.
0: you've never heard of that? It's because you can't fake it. <laughs> I mean, I kept thinking of ideas like if you had like a special cap for your beaker and you put it on and that makes it open a little and water will dribble out of it, that'd be kind of cool. But
1: I mean, you have to be able to fake it somehow because they faked it. Well,
0: I mean, right. This is a movie, though. They had lots of power.
1: Yeah. So that was interesting. But the coolest part as you get further into the movie is realizing that the portion where everyone else was like, oh, she must be tired. Her psychic abilities aren't working anymore because they didn't understand what was happening. Yeah. It's actually just even stronger evidence that, that she wasn't faking it for this TV crew. Like it was part of this bigger thing that was happening.
0: Yeah, it's a little confusing how it all works. This was one of those movies where I felt like I was culturally excluded. You know, this mm-hmm. was very deep in Japanese culture. You know, it's about this demon named Kagutaba and this village where they uh used to do rituals that what, pacified him, I guess? Yeah. And then that village- They had to feed him
1: monkey babies.
0: Right. That was a whole thing, which we didn't find out till nearly the end. They would pacify him with their rituals. And then this one time they tried to do the ritual and it it didn't work. And that's where the problem is. And what
1: I didn't understand was why didn't it work? Like, Did they do something wrong or he was just too strong this time? Well, they suggested
0: that- he was mad that it was going to be the last time the ritual happened because this town was then going to be buried underwater because they were building a dam and they were going to flood the town and everybody had to leave. How
1: did he know this was going to be the last time?
0: Oh, come on. He reads the news.
1: Okay. (laughs) I don't know about that. Yeah. I wasn't following that part very well.
0: Yeah, there was just a lot of, I don't know, confusion to me about what it all meant. Overall, it seemed like a pretty simple thing in the end. Spoilers, but Kana was being used as a medium to bring about Kagutaba as a living entity, I guess, as a sort of human being in the world.
1: I guess. And she was being fed the fetuses that Junko Ishii got from the place that she worked at, where they like, yeah, she ended she worked at an abortion clinic. And I, I just, like, it got very complicated at the end and convoluted, and there were a whole lot of new things or things where I was like, oh, I would not have made that connection. Like the yeah. baby monkeys to the fetuses, I think, right. was a connection. Yeah,
0: that was, like, that was their replacement for the fetuses or for the monkeys was to use fetuses instead i don't know why I they mean, could have gone and captured baby monkeys instead
1: honestly like i feel like getting baby monkeys would have been easier but maybe
0: well not if you work at an abortion clinic yeah and you're the one who takes out the trash
1: yikes so i guess yeah it makes sense that they were trying to like have kana huh. be the embodiment of this demon now but then she dies
0: well she wasn't the embodiment she was the medium for bringing him forth
1: and then he was going to go into was he always supposed to go into a boy
0: i feel like i mean because they made a point that the boy was not really her son and that made me think that the boy didn't exist before, that he is Kagutaba and he just appeared at some point. But that was a long time ago. That was before Kana was even having issues. Because yeah. he's been around as her quote unquote son for the whole movie. Right. So I don't know. He's prob- Maybe he's just like a kidnapped kid that she was using... As a vessel.
1: Yeah, I think like you said, I think there were some cultural things where we maybe wouldn't have needed all of these details explained to us if we had the right background knowledge. But I did not understand all of the details of what was happening.
0: And that's what's kind of funny is at the very end of the movie, like the very, very end, the last minute or two, there is a really blunt explanation of what's happening, which again, doesn't answer a lot of these questions we're having, but it's like hey, she was making kind of the medium and raising this boy. And like, we didn't really have that information until it was suddenly just like, here you go. Yeah, It could be, I had this thought halfway through, like, I feel like the way this movie is going, I feel like I'm supposed to have already put a lot together and that I'm getting close to an answer and I haven't quite gotten there yet.
1: <laughs> well, could it be like we talked about yesterday with his house where it's based on some kind of commonly understood mythology, yeah, that we just like don't it. know.
0: Yeah, like like the discussion of uh, in the, in this ritual, you you bow, clap four times, and then bow again, which is crazy because everybody knows you're supposed to clap twice, then bow, then clap, then bow.
1: Yeah, whatever it was, it was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's insane!
0: What a weird ritual, right?
1: Whereas. <laughs> For us, all of the clapping and bowing is outside <laughs> of our realm of normalcy. Yeah. So it was like, okay. There were also a lot of things like the pigeons attacking the windows. Yes. Oh, the the knots, Ooh. which were not. It didn't really look like they were tied knots. It was more like the that hand crochet, like the the <laughs> crocheting that's like super popular these days, where you do it with your whole arm instead of yeah, with crochet needles big, or round loops, hook, uh, you know knitting needles or whatever. It was, yeah, these big loopy things, but it didn't seem tied. It just seemed like twisted in a certain way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That was one of the symbols that was everywhere. And then the other one was these kind of scribbled circles, like kind of eyeballs connected with lines, sort of, but really simple. Yeah. And I, I have no idea what that was other than that we saw characters creating it. And then later it was, you know, like on an official you know, cultish thing. And so we're like, ooh, that's connected.
1: Yeah. I also wonder, because there were many, many, many situations where Kabayashi went into a place where there was writing all over something. Like there were these flyers that were just covered with writing. When they went into Mr. Hori's house, the tinfoil guy, his whole house is covered in tinfoil and then covered in writing. Mm -hmm. I wonder... How much of that would have informed our understanding? Some because we would have been getting all these like really quick, subtle hints about what was happening. I mean,
0: there was a ton of writing in the movie, like where they would show like an article or something, and the subtitles kind of told us the gist. But Mm -hmm. there's no way it could cover this entire paragraph. Even
1: during the footage of the variety shows, there was all kinds of writing showing up on the screen, and. Without, you know, I'm sure that was adding context to the story in some way. So we just, we missed out on a lot of that because we didn't speak the language.
0: Yeah, I think this was not really an appropriate movie to be outside of its original culture, just because it was relied so much on writing that if you can't read that, you're missing a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I would blame that more on us for not understanding how to read Japanese rather than...
0: No, I just mean that they, I think this movie was one that kind of, you know, really spread out internationally. And I'm not sure why, because it does seem very, like The Ring, no problem, we got that one. Yeah. Because that's just weird, scary stuff. But this is so many words everywhere that...
1: Yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot of, there was a lot going into the storytelling beyond just what was happening. Yeah. So there was also the story of... An actress, Marika,
0: mm-hmm. who
1: I guess was a sensitive, a medium of some sort, yeah. and she is taken as part of her like comedy show. It was almost like one of those morning talk radio shows where there's the yeah. two funny guys and then the pretty girl. Um,
0: the two funny guys were the ungirls because they're guys. Yeah, and they're so popular that ants crawl up their legs in the park. <laughs> Yes. That's how popular they were.
1: And it's also how funny they were. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, maybe that was translation again. Maybe yeah. they were hilarious. The
1: other one, he, the other thing that the guy said was, "I'm so tall that when I serve as a pallbearer, I have to carry the coffin myself."
0: Yeah, if one really tall guy's yeah. holding it, no one else could reach it. So, and okay. then is
1: it just the ludicrousy <laughs> of imagining? One pallbearer carrying a coffin by himself. Like I, I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. So she goes. They go out into this graveyard. They go to this shrine, and she is experiences some things with ghosts and spirits mm-hmm. and whatnot. And and then is impacted. You know, that's how she gets on Kobayashi's radar. Is yeah.
0: Know. Well, and that's the thing is. Y- I feel like you could say she's infected, like, yeah, each of these different characters gets infected and usually ends up dying by suicide, it, eventually. I mean, that's the pattern. And that's what she was afraid of. She's like, Oh, no, I'm, you know, I must be next because of all these pigeons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't as clear cut, though, as like, Something like The Ring, where they were like, hey, Mm -hmm. you're going to die after you see this tape. But they kind of all went that direction anyway, just in a more sort of vague way.
1: Mr. Hori, the tinfoil guy, was the story that seemed to be giving the most explanation. Mm -hmm. But he was not lucid in his explaining so then that didn't help anything like he was not a reliable narrator which i thought was funny because they kept going to him or like they invited him on a show where they were interviewing marika about her experience and he attacks her yeah and they're all like what is happening and then like every (laughs) it kept happening over and over again that they would interact with this guy and he would act bizarrely and they would be shocked. And I'm like, he's <laughs> wearing a tinfoil suit. Yeah. Like, what do you expect? And
0: yeah, he definitely was clearly having mental problems, and they didn't seem to mind. I mean, no? I guess they trusted that he was a super psychic, which is what they called him. And so it was just a whole lot of great information from the great beyond.
1: I guess. I mean they really they believed him, which is unusual. For this sort of movie. Like often the person who's acting outside the realm of normal is not the person that everyone goes to as the expert. And in this case, they kept going to him and he kept telling them that the (laughs) ectoplasmic worms were coming and eating people. And everyone was just okay with that, I guess. Which
0: that feels like there's some translation going on there because that was not a thing that was any literal anything that we ever saw. And there were other weird things like the when Marika is originally her original issue was, you know, she went to the graveyard with the ungirls and they found these trees that were like mutating. Mm-hmm. They were dying trees with like goo coming out of them. And that was totally unexplained. That was just whatever it was. Like all of these things are happening that are so unrelated, but they do all tie together.
1: That's the interesting thing. I have I have struggled with that in reading some books that follow this kind of same plot pattern, because there are often pieces. I think I've been trained, you know, the whole Chekhov's gun thing. I've been Uh trained that there are certain things with their, if they are weird enough, if the author calls enough attention to them, then as a reader or as a, as a consumer of the story, I think that's important. I have to remember that that's going to come back again. And then it doesn't in this, you know, this, this different way of telling the story. So then I'm left feeling unsatisfied because I'm like, but what about the trees? But what (laughs) about this? But what about that? Where are the worms? You know, when in fact, it might just be that like the whole point could be that this guy wears tinfoil and is crazy. But is also accidentally right about something. And like, like it could be that he's not an expert, that they shouldn't. Like, that could have been part of the <laughs> whole story. It's like, it. why I, do they keep asking him to be part I of this?
0: consider that.
1: I have no idea. I mean, I'm just kind of making that up. I
0: mean, he gave them good psychic info. He pointed them to Mr. Osawa, the pigeon-eating guy. So... Who... Useful. Like, we
1: saw his story for, like, four and a half seconds. Right.
0: And all we ever found out about him was, oh, hey, look, he's also there's also a picture of him here. And he also died later.
1: Yes. But connected, he died at the same place and in the same way that Marika's upstairs neighbor died. Like, mm-hmm. it was all these, like, very loose connections. It wasn't yeah. all tightly tied together. It was loose and not knotted and <gasps> more woven like Whoa. the strings were. Oh, I just did that with my brain. That was
0: impressive. That that's exactly what it was. Maybe it's even also like the diagram of the little balls. You know, just a bunch of weird yeah. random connections between them.
1: So, like, and and going back to the tinfoil guy, like that, his whole worm theory was just his insane yeah. trying to explain what was going on because he wasn't completely lucid yeah. about the whole thing. Yeah, I, I, I think don't
0: know. That makes sense that he was just using the wrong terminology for what was happening, but he was right about these are the people being affected, go talk to them. Right.
1: But in our culture... Our storytelling is done in such a way that that sort of thing is supposed to be relevant and play into, mm-hmm. sy- symbolic of something or whatever. And maybe it was, and we're just too
0: well. That's always American very to understand the symbols. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, one thing about the tinfoil guy is that it told us early on that he could see the future.
0: Right, yeah.
1: So why did he not see that he was going to get got the way he got?
0: I don't know because honestly, the ending bit of this movie, the way it all wrapped up at the very end, he was like, I don't understand what happened. Basically, in the end, he starts beating the boy to death, the boy who is Kagutaba, apparently. I guess. And
1: Or not. Yeah. I don't know.
0: And that is apparently a helpful thing in a way, like, because immediately the boy like rises up and mind controls everybody, and that's the horrible ending. And that makes the tinfoil guy like become a slave of Kagutaba. Mm. That he just like walks off with him, right? Friendly style.
1: And then the end of the movie, they're all we don't know what happened to Kobayashi, and I'm like, what about what <laughs> happened to the dude and the kid who clearly were in charge of the whole thing in this last video? Right. Like, why is nobody concerned about that?
0: <laughs> that does seem like a big deal. I guess because this was Kobayashi's story.
1: I guess that
0: yeah, was weird. I I did like at the end, you know, he beats this kid in the face repeatedly. And for a brief moment, the kid's face was a Kagutaba mask.
1: Mm -hmm. That was
0: creepy and cool.
1: That was cool. Which then ties back to Kana during the variety show, because that's what she drew. When the last, like the thing on the last card that she was supposed to be able to see. Right. Was the word Zvezda, star in Russian.
0: Good and thing instead, you know Russian and instead of Japanese. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I knew it enough to sort of mispronounce it and then be able to look it up and yes. see what it meant. But it means star. And then she drew this Kagutaba mask instead. And they were all like, oh, too bad. You and got like, it wrong. Mm. But then what does that tell us? Because why did she draw that? When the word star was there, why was the word star presented in Russian?
0: I mean, it could just be that they were doing, you know, crazy things to make, you know, that you wouldn't be able to guess when you're drawing.
1: I guess. But
0: yeah, it feels like it should have meant something and maybe it did. Maybe. Is he a star? Is he the star of the show? Did
1: he come from outer space? (laughs) Possibly. I mean, we've seen a lot of movies where the bad guys showed up from outer space. We
0: have. Did he come from Russia?
1: (laughs) Is Russia in outer space?
0: (laughs) That is probably where this is going.
1: So they end up going back to the lake that is on top of the village where Kagutaba came from at the end.
0: Which is interesting because you find that ancient ritual magic depends on your latitude and longitude, but not verticality at all. No, it's okay if you're way up on top of it.
1: Yes, apparently so. That scene reminded me of um a thing I just read about oh not something I read I think it was a TikTok that I saw <laughs> TikTok for knowledge but it was talking about the different black neighborhoods that are now underneath oh, lakes Oh yes
0: I totally was thinking of that too
1: because they you know they were like well we we want a lake here or we don't like what's happening in this area so we're just going to let it we're just going to put it underwater
0: Harkening back to the episode of this I'm editing right now, our blood quantum episode, yes, where we suggested the anti-racism daily, that video was made by the anti-racism daily.
1: Yes, it was.
0: And it was very interesting. All it these was. towns that are underwater now because they were like, yeah, let's kill everybody and pretend that never happened.
1: I just, I don't even, I, I don't even understand. Like I don't, how does that come about? Even with this village in the movie, like- how does it come about? Unless it's an accidental thing where a dam breaks and suddenly there's water there. <laughs> no, like nature doing it is one thing, but like a government deciding, we don't need this town anymore. Right. This, this is more town. trouble than it's worth. We'll just put a lake yeah. here.
0: But that I understand, though. That was even something used in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? It was that there was a town that was about to be flooded that they were going into because it's a thing where, like, you know, for the sake of the whole area, you really have to make a lake. You need a you know a way of storing water. You we're gonna do a dam here. You buy all the houses and everyone moves out, and you flood the town, and that's that.
1: Or you you know or you sun kill down, everybody. Sundown the community until everyone moves away.
0: Right, and- that's the alternative method yeah. in America.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just it's one of those things that we never think about. At mm-hmm. least I have never really. It's funny that you mentioned that about Oh Brother Where at that. Because yeah, I was I totally forgotten that. that. But yeah, that's a mind-boggling idea to me. Mm -hmm. And of course, we do that to the communities that are the poorest and have the least voice to stand up for themselves, the least power to defend themselves. Huh? In the movie, was the town being flooded because they needed a lake in that area? Or was it being flooded because they were trying to get rid of-
0: No, they said they were building a dam. And I mean, all those people still lived- In wherever, nearby. Right, they relocated Because we learned that if someone has a sickle on their house and a pet dog, they probably came from this town. Yes. That was a piece of information. Except
1: why did they still need their dogs if they weren't doing the ritual anymore? Oh,
0: they knew this Mm. was coming down.
1: Yeah, guess. Plus,
0: dogs are cute.
1: (laughs) They were. Lots of um, Shiba Inus.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the end of this movie, not the very end, but the kind of the climactic part is very much full-on Blair Witch. They go up into the woods and they're just running around in the dark, flailing the camera around, throwing maps into rivers. And the big shock moment of it is all these babies crawling onto Kana, I believe. Yeah, Ghostly I couldn't Kana. tell
1: who that was. The The quality of the film, like the footage in mm-hmm. so many of the situations was very sketchy. Right. And I was having a hard time when it was people who were far away like that, Or like, you know, ghostly, and so they were kind of faded out. I was like, I don't know who that is.
0: (laughs) No, I just figured, like, from the idea of what was supposed to be happening, that Kana was there being covered with babies instead of baby monkeys. Yeah. Because this ritual was sort of happening, but it wasn't because she was a ghost and the babies weren't real. So, I, I don't know. It's so weird.
1: Yeah. That part in particular, where they, you know, for a couple of flashes, could see the spirit world and could Uh see her and the babies crawling on her. I was like, this is creeping me out like it was that was
0: creepy I don't know
1: that scary is right but it was very unsettling in a way that a lot of other things haven't been this month
0: yeah and uh, that brings to mind in this movie there's some bits you know there's always the scene where oh we see a ghost in the background just a little bit you know you can't quite Mm -hmm. catch it and this movie would do a thing because it's supposed to be a documentary they'd show you that scene and then they would go back to that scene and play it frame by frame and go like look at that ghost. And it was like, you just kind of ruined it, really. I mean, it's helpful, but that's a lot less dramatic.
1: I think there would have been, it would have been better to just do the filming a little bit slower and make it a little bit more obvious in the yeah, first place yeah that would have been good so that we would catch it on our own because i never caught those things yeah. the first time through and then they would show them and i was like oh that that would have been scary <laughs> if i had noticed
0: it <laughs> yes indeed
1: Ratings.
0: this is a tough one to rate because you know i feel like i don't have a full appreciation for what I saw, which not meaning I didn't like it, but that I didn't really get it. And speaking of appreciation, I had an appreciation for the the format of it, this whole thing where there were a bunch of totally disconnected cases. And I knew watching them, I'm like, oh, these are going to connect, even though they share nothing in common at this point. And they did. And mm-hmm. that was that was cool to, to have that mystery and try to put it together. And... Part of the difficulty with it was that I didn't have enough knowledge, either culturally or because I couldn't read all the paper everywhere in order to figure things out for myself very well. So I'm going to try not to hold that against the movie, but that's tricky because who knows whether it was good or bad. (laughs) But for me, I would like to rate it three foil insulation tubes out of five.
1: Okay. I, I find myself in the same boat as you, I think. I know that I did not understand it well enough to judge whether I felt like the story was well told Right, and I just don't understand it or if there were actually some pretty significant plot holes or <laughs> oddities to how it was told. I don't know if, that, if, if that's me or if it's the story. And in this case, I am going to assume that it's me Okay. And my lack of knowledge. I think that this is a movie where people are either going to rate it very highly or they're going to rate it very low. Because either they really enjoy the challenge of watching a movie that is outside your realm of understanding and trying to figure things out and and recognize that lack of understanding at the end is part of the challenge, right? Sure. Or you're going to be like... The many people I saw rating it on IMDb giving it a three or lower because they didn't like the characters and they didn't understand what was happening and why did this happen? And every complaint, I'm just like,
0: you don't know what you saw.
1: You have no idea. like this movie wasn't made for you. Uh (laughs) I think when people watch it, they're either going to really like it or really dislike it, depending on whether they are open to new experiences. I like that kind of movie. I like that kind of new experience. I like Mm -hmm. that idea of like, I don't get it, but it made me (laughs) think new things. So I am going to give this movie four foil insulation tubes because it stretched my brain and it made me, like wonder about things it like i've been thinking about it since we watched it Hmm. not a lot but just enough like what did that mean and what did you know why did that happen and and you know there's some probably bonus points in there because i assume that the places where i'm confused are my lack of knowledge rather than this movie not doing good yeah
0: i'm suspicious like my rating is fair for how i actually felt watching the movie just overall like i was interested and it was solid entertainment for me Mm -hmm. as it was but i am worried that it may have been brilliant like there's this may have been amazing and Because I did like how it all came together, except that it didn't quite come together for me. And I feel like that is my lack of understanding.
1: Well, and that's the thing. Did it come together and you didn't understand? Or is it actually? It just didn't quite come together. We have watched plenty of American movies that just don't come together because whoever wrote them didn't write them well. And I have to assume that. People in other cultures also sometimes <laughs> don't write well.
0: It is possible.
1: You know, there's that racism of assuming that other cultures are always dumber than you are, but there's also that racism of, oh, well, they must be brilliant, even though it doesn't uh-huh. make any sense to me because they're different than me.
0: It is a fine line to I walk. Know. And speaking of not writing well, this movie has an <laughs> evil twin.
1: Yes, what was the evil twin for Naroy the Curse?
0: Well, that would be The Curse from 1987, USA style, very, very USA style.
1: Okay, but it was not 1987 USA style. It was like <laughs> the little house on the prairie.
0: Uh, it's like in the Depression where the mom and her kids had to move in with this guy who then is like, okay, you're my property now, and I'm this terrible, gruff guy who doesn't like anybody. Who
1: didn't want to get married. Like, you can tell he only got married because that's the only way he was gonna get fed. Like...
0: Right. He needs someone to feed and clean.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it was a a very unhappy household.
0: Yeah. And made more unhappy by the fact that a meteor shows up and melts down into the water and messes with everybody.
1: And immediately changes the like, cellular structure of all of the animals and food being grown and raised on that property.
0: Yeah, it is quite a curse that these people are under.
1: But it didn't immediately change the people. The people were only changed because they were drinking the water, which I and guess is what the animals the and the plants were doing, too.
0: Yeah, there was a, there was a whole montage of animals drinking water, which was really unnecessary. <laughs> it was like an ad for water.
1: Yes, it was.
0: Try it on your cows. <laughs> but. It is uh, real cheesy. And oh, I said before we presented this movie that there was something very special about it for Soli.
1: It was a very (laughs) special treat.
0: Can we discuss what was so special about this movie?
1: This movie, the star of this movie, uh, the main character of this movie was one of my very first heartthrob crushes (laughs) of the 80s. Uh Uh-huh. Our close personal friend, <laughs> Mr. Will Wheaton.
0: I mean, it's funny because obviously he's not quite a close personal friend. Not but at all. We have run across him many, many times in our lives.
1: We've probably been closer to him in his celebrityness <laughs> than we have been to like any other celebrity in the
0: world. Oh, like, I'm sure more often. Yeah,
1: and and not just in like we went to a show that he was a part of, but like he goes on the Joko cruise regularly,
0: very regularly.
1: Even when he's not performing, he will go on the cruise and. I cannot tell you, like probably more than any other human being on that boat besides <laughs> you, he's the person where I will just be like, oh, there he is sitting two tables down from me or, uh-huh. oh, now he's walking behind me. Yeah. Like He's just there all the time.
0: He's stalking you.
1: I mean, he's kind of my nemesis at this point. I know. For no other reason than he's just around all the time. And it's funny to have a nemesis.
0: Yeah. He's like that little brother. You're like, <laughs> Wesley.
1: Yeah, so it was it was funny to see him. So this is Will Wheaton from a year after he was in Stand by Me, which was the movie where I was like in love with him and his character <laughs> and, you know, Stephen King and like that is a formative movie. <laughs> Not pie eating contest though. No. That was a formative movie in my childhood. So it was funny to see him from that era. Yes, again. and
0: his little sister Amy also in this movie. Yes.
1: Yes. I didn't even know he had a sister. Neither did I. Funny thing is, he has said in interviews that he did not want to be doing this movie. <laughs> no. Uh, he was forced to do this movie by his parents because it was a lot of money. And the only good thing to come of making this movie was that his sister got to, you know, had a job.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, is that good? Should she be having a job at that age? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess probably, it's fun.
1: His perception of that is probably a little warped, given that he was working from that young age. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. So that that is the curse. And he did say that's the only good thing. And
1: I mean... he He sort of seemed like he didn't want to be doing that movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: I would not have wanted to be on that set. Like, it was unpleasant. I mean, I don't yeah. know if the actors might have been very nice, but the scenes they had to perform was just... Horrible, hateful people.
1: Yeah, everything about it was very uncomfortable and upsetting, and not not fun to
0: watch. From the beginning of this movie, it seemed very much like a cheapo made-for-TV movie, but then it would have like these really seem to me very high-end, expensive, kind of like gory effects in it too, which was. Like, it seemed like they spent a bunch of money on it. And I don't know, I've I've never heard of this movie before, so I feel like it can't have been all that popular.
1: I, I have no idea. I feel like at that point in my life, I was not watching a lot of horror <laughs> movies.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's it's a weird movie, though. Kind of a zombie movie, but not at all. Mostly just an abusive family movie. Yes, And based very loosely on H.P. Lovecraft's The Color Out of Space.
1: Hmm. It was less Lovecraftian than I would have expected.
0: Yeah, I mean the the Lovecraft thing about this is the whole "it's driving you mad" thing. Yeah,
1: um, it was also super easy to avoid having any impact. <laughs> I know. Like, literally, all he did was go to town and fill a Kandy. canteen with water. You know, city water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, good old city water.
1: And um, you know, then he was fine while everyone else on his in his house was going crazy and then he started feeding his little sister city water and not feeding her the food from the you know that they raised there and so she got better
0: yeah and like i mean really the whole threat he faced was that his dad insisted you're gonna eat and drink our food and water. it was a creepy covid kind of thing where like no you're not allowed to be safe and protect yourself we're we're striking that down
1: well, and it was it was really like a Cinderella sort of thing because it yeah, wasn't his it was. dad, it was a stepdad oh, yeah. who didn't like him at all. No. And And of
0: course there was a wicked stepbrother.
1: Yes. And then this other random dude
0: who disappeared. Who disappeared
1: halfway through the movie and there wasn't a scene about him disappearing. Yeah, it makes it was sense super that weird. he disappeared because right. I feel like that stepdad would have killed him for what was or at least going on in the shed at night.
0: And not kept working with him. He seemed to be like a hired help guy.
1: Right. But he instead, he just like ceases to exist in the story. Yeah. weird.
0: Yeah, not the most tightly constructed of films.
1: And because it was done in English and <laughs> firmly established within the culture I understand, I can tell that it was not well written.
0: Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. It's nice to know. So...
1: How would you rate... The 1987 The Curse with our friend Will Wheaton, whose name was misspelled in the credits. I know. It made me back.
0: wonder, Stand By Me was before this, so he uh-huh. probably had it spelled right in Stand By Me. Uh-huh. So it was just wrong. It was
1: just wrong. They just spelled it W-I-L-L instead of W-I-L. Yeah. And apparently everyone was just cool with that.
0: <laughs> yep. Weird. Because of that misspelling, I'm going to give this movie... One and a half wormy apples out of five. Not a great film. Not the worst by any means. We've seen much worse this month, but not a solid work.
1: Yeah. No, my score is going to be exactly the same. One and a half wormy apples out of five. It was not great. Mm. I wouldn't watch it again. And I don't really (laughs) feel like I would recommend that other people watch it. No. I mean, it just was not great. It wasn't... Offensive in the way some of the other movies have been, so it's true. One and a half,
0: although it was full of some very rabid sexism.
1: Oh, for sure, but it was portrayed as rabid sexism. Yes, it wasn't like just accidental, it right. was intentional and it was clear that it was wrong and bad.
0: Yeah, which is nice.
1: Along with the child abuse, you know, all the hitting and whatnot. Yeah, a
0: whole lot of that.
1: That was also bad. <laughs> <laughs> There was also bad capitalism too, which was interesting. Yeah, that was a very nineteen eighties yeah. thing. It oh. was uh, the the downfall of the the small farmer and the real estate mogul trying to come in and buy up all the small farms yeah, so he could and make pressure a bunch of people money. into yeah. selling. Yeah, all of that. That was that was interesting. All right, well, moving on from the curse, the curse, and the curse. What are we watching next?
0: We are going to take the evil twin concept to the extreme. Okay. As we watch the French film Martyrs from 2008. Okay. Followed by the American film Martyrs from 2015, which is a remake of the French (gasps) film. So I feel like we're going to have some fun there.
1: This will be interesting because we will get an Americanized version that we can understand of a film we probably won't <laughs> well, understand. Sure, it's French.
0: It's all deep and romantic. <laughs>
1: There'll be lots of cigarettes and berets. Oh, there's going to be, be so many black cigarettes. Yes, There'll they be only do that. Accordion music everywhere.
0: Is that <laughs> what they do? And skunks. Yeah. And
1: skunks. <laughs> all right, well, martyrs and martyrs. We will talk about that tomorrow.
0: Tomarters.
1: Tomarters. <laughs> no. Tom. Tem- tomatoes. <laughs>
0: See you, tomatoes? Gee. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I said gee. I said ghee, which is a kind of butter. It's,
1: it's a, I, a part of butter. Doesn't make any more sense. <laughs> no, I was just wanting to argue. <laughs>